Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. You guys, in case you missed it, I have a big, amazing partnership. And yes, this episode is brought to you by, drumroll please, Lifetime. If you didn't know, now you do. My whole family and I are now members at Lifetime. This amazing, and I mean amazing, health club has come to Miami right here in my neighborhood, Coral Gables. It is the best athletic resort to come to town. I said what I said, and I stand by that statement. And come about mid-episode, I'm going to tell you why. So big thanks to Lifetime for sponsoring this episode of The No. Love your life. I love mine. Let's go. Hey, friends. Welcome to another episode of The No with me, Nikki Spo. I am so grateful you're here. Today, I am speaking with Kenya Raymer. You likely know her on social as at Happy Truths. Kenya is a channel, a spirit guide, a bridge, and an activator. She came into this world to raise vibrations, lead herself and others in their return to heart space, and serve as a channel who assists in the merging and healing of the divine feminine and divine masculine. Kenya uses her unique combination of birthright abilities, spiritual gifts, personal characteristics, skills acquired, and education to guide those seeking support on their spiritual journey. She has a bachelor's degree in social work from the University of Tennessee and a master's in social work from the University of Chicago. She is a wife, a mother, and a soul sister. Today's conversation focuses less about what she does and more on how she arrived in this space. Kenya is a woman who tells it like it is, flaws and all. Based in Nashville, Tennessee, Kenya is also a certified yoga instructor and Ayurvedic practitioner. In this episode, Kenya recalls what leading her family of creation was like, namely detaching from her husband and her then three-year-old daughter to fulfill this calling and nourish her spirit. Kenya has been serving as a guide for 10 years, and today we get to take a look at what it means to her to have an expansive life. Let's dive right in. Come on now, Kenya Raymer, a real one in my life. Mamakin, happy truths, mother, truth seeker, truth speaker, Scorpio woman, Enneagram eight, (laughs) light giver, light liver, not liver, you know, not liver like the organ. You live in light. Y'all get what I'm saying. (laughs) I love you. I'm honored to have you share space with me. I'm just so grateful. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I was wondering why you hadn't asked me when you were going to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, but you know how things are. Like I, t- every time I text you, if I want to talk to you about something heavy, I'm like, are you in a space to be able yeah. to like receive this? And if you're not, let yeah. me know. So I always, I, you know, some people are so great at setting boundaries and others aren't. And you've always been so great at sen- setting boundaries that I always want to respect your space and your light. Like I don't like to take, I don't like to overtake, you know, I like to receive, which I think is different than taking. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so yeah, but so this interview is going to run a little bit differently than usual. I usually go in order, but mama can with you, we are going to kind of like go around and about. And so first of all, it's been ages since we've actually spoken. So I want to start with um, this most recent trip that you did. So for some context to our, for our listeners, you are a mom to your rainbow baby, Sella, who is four. And I can't even, because I can't believe that like she's already four. And what's wild about that is like, when you had Sella, I was I got pregnant like shortly after that. And I was pregnant with my son, Santiago. And I felt like we were 
lifetimes apart from each other. I'm like, oh, she has a baby. Like, <laughs> this is still very, very far from my reality. But now, like, I'm I'm thinking like my Shago is going to be four. He's three and a half. Like, he's just right behind Stella in this. Um, it's, and so it felt really far apart when they were tiny. And like, you know, the saying, the days are long, but the years are short. Mm-hmm. That's my truth right now. So <laughs> you recently took a month away from your family, a month away from your family and went to Costa Rica for a yoga teacher training. So congratulations on your certification and also for taking a courageous leap in leaving your family to take care of yourself. Um, so besides getting your certification, which you could have done anywhere, local, in Nashville, um, what did it mean for you to be able to physically separate and for 30 days? It meant a lot of things. So um, I think part of me accepting this like call and I will say it was like a call like it came from like deep within my soul (laughs) to do this YTT because I I had actually just returned to the mat I hadn't even been doing yoga consistently in my life um and I hadn't I had never had any desire I still don't to be a yoga teacher (laughs) um and I like um, Costa Rica has never even been on my like hit list. I'm more of, you know, like less jungle, more, <laughs> more European just vibes. Yeah. European <laughs> vibes. Exactly. <laughs> less, less jungle, less bugs. So Costa Rica has never even really been on my kind of like hit list. Um, but out of nowhere, it seemed to be out of nowhere. I had this kind of draw to Costa Rica. I had this kind of awareness that, I would be doing a YTT Um, and it all kind of started in March of this year. And I just kind of kept tuning into it. It kept coming up and it kept getting louder. Um, Reoccurrences about Costa Rica and um, like Nosara, the Nicoya region in particular kept coming into my awareness. And then YTT kept coming into my awareness. I said to even my girlfriends, Hey, when the, when the girls are older, cause my um, two sisters, um, have young babes too. And I said, Hey, when the girls are older, we should go away and do a YTT. And in my head, I'm thinking like when we're 50, because who leaves their like three-year-olds for a month to do yoga teacher training that can be done anywhere, like virtually right now. Right. So who does this? Like, and that's my own ego. That's me. Like prior to probably judging who does this, who leaves their who leaves their three-year-old, right? And then me judging even kind of that idea as it enters into my head, like, Kenya, what kind of mom leaves their baby? And then one day I was in um, meditation. And in the meditation, I saw myself in Costa Rica in this like wooded kind of room, which I like later found out was like a yoga shala. I didn't even know what a yoga shala was at the time. I like saw it in my meditation. It's like this... I mean, I don't know the technical term. It's like an outdoor, <laughs> an outdoor room that's made of wood that is designed for, I guess, like the epitome of yoga. Um, I mean, like it's either like totally exposed to the elements or has the ability to be exposed to the elements. So you are at one with nature. I like had an awareness that I was supposed to be in this space for yoga, for expansion. And as soon as I got out of my meditation, I hopped on my phone because, right, that's right, what we do after meditation. I open up Instagram and the first um, first post I see is from the studio that I want to take my virtual training from. And they're 
having a training in Costa Rica, in <laughs> Nosara, in the area that like I've been called to. And I was like, no fucking way. And I knew then that like, that was it. That was the call. Like the whole time before from March until that time, I think that was like in May, that was like spirit getting me ready. Like we're going to need to give her some time and space to warm up to this idea before we just present it to her. And so when I saw it, I knew that I would have to answer this call. I was going to have to go to Costa Rica. And it meant a lot of things to my family and me personally. I <laughs> I hadn't been away from my daughter for like more than two days at a time. Yeah. And she's four. Right. And I don't think that's uncommon, actually, for right. mothers. Right. I had done like little weekends here um, with my girlfriends and stuff like that, but nothing long, like nothing long, nothing definitely longer than, you know, a week. And so I kept thinking, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to go, but like, how would I leave her? But I think that was part of me going was, was a process or a lesson in detachment. Cause I Mm -hmm. swear the first, (laughs) sorry, I'm like trying not to get emotional, but like get emotional about it. (laughs) The first, um, the first like theology class we had, our um, my our teacher she challenged us on like, you are not that, you are not a mother, and I was like, whoa, what? How could I not be a mother? But I think that was also like one of the reasons I went there to mm. experience um, a level of detachment. You know, I don't think as mothers will ever like fully be detached from this role, but a level of detachment, like kind of a, a regaining of womanhood, not any, not any loss of motherhood, but like a, whoa, I think you may have forgotten (laughs) for a period of time that you're also just a woman, just a person. And there's some growth (laughs) that needs to happen in this space alone that you can't do at home, around your family, with your kids. Um, so yeah, I think that was one of the reasons I went, one of the lessons uh, that called me to that space. Also, um, I'm the go-to parent. Like my husband and I could be sitting in the same room and Sella could be like, I want mama to do this. I want mama to do that. Mama needs to do this, 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 and this. Even if there are things she's capable of doing, mama needs to do them. And we'll, could be, papa can help you blue in the face to the end of the day. And it could be a no, mama. And she's a mama's girl. And I'm the go-to parent. And I thought it was really important that she and James like develop some serious bonding, have some serious time. And I know that was also like a selling point for him too. He wanted that. He wanted that opportunity to like connect with her without me being the option, me being the go-to. Have you seen the meme circulating right now that it's like the universe will send you a sign and then you're like, nah, I'm going to wait for a signier sign. (laughs) 
yes. <laughs> You're like, that was definitely a sign, but no, I'm going to wait for something bigger. Yes. <laughs> yes sometimes yes, yes. don't do it until we're smacked in the face with the sign, right? And yes. hopefully it's a good sign still, but sometimes, you know, the universe takes, no. takes a while and is like, I'm going to mess shit up for you. Because yeah. I've been giving you all these subtle signs, these nice signs that you haven't been paying attention to. Yeah. I always say the universe will give you the opportunity to move. And if you don't move, it's going to kick your ass through that door. Like you're going, you're going either way. Do you go and step through in your power or do you let the universe donkey kick your ass through? Like it's, these are your options. These are the options, people. You may have listened to episode three. I don't, I don't know, but I did, I mentioned it to you a while ago and I feel like this was like right before we even, you even told me that you were leaving. Um, But I I interviewed um, artist Monica Mendez Neves and in her mid-50s, she moved from Miami to San Francisco, staying married but leaving her family behind to pursue an education in art. And that was shocking for so many people in her life. And it was really something that was – it's kind of unheard of. And like still like your experience is also, you know, uncommon, uncommon. Um, yeah, uncommon. And still she waited till her children were grown and out of the house. You know, why is it so important for us to care for ourselves in this way, to pursue the things that we love and that we're passionate about or like that light our light up our lives, you know, or light up our souls in a little way? And so that that's a question, but I'm going to continue and then ask you another <laughs> question. Um, and it might not look like leaving for everybody, right? Like some people might not, might not have the desire to like physically detach. Um, but in these larger than life examples like yours, it paves a way for curiosity. And it makes me think I see two people who I wholeheartedly respect in Monica and you, um, taking space and time to care for your souls at different stages in your lives, right? Like she, she's a mother to three adult children. You're a mom to a four-year-old. Um, again, so why is it important then to care for ourselves in this way to feed our souls? I think it's important for us for our growth because – our children are less are a lot of ways in which we experience our lessons and our expansion in the way that our soul expands and serves its purpose here on earth, right? But motherhood and our children are not the only lessons. They're not the only way in which we expand. And so it's important to have all of the experiences. It's important to expand in all of the ways. It's like if we were only expanding up and never out or never forward, right? Like we're not, we're not giving ourselves to giving ourselves the opportunity to experience all of who we are. So it's important that we take these opportunities to feed our soul, to expand our soul, right? Personally, like us being the primary reason it's important to do that because we came here uh, to experience more than motherhood, more than parenthood, right? It's also important because, and one of the main reasons I was like, I got to do this is so that our kids see us choose ourselves. Like I wanted my daughter to see a woman choose herself. I wanted her to say, to grow up and have the awareness. Like my mom chooses herself. My mom always chooses herself because we can tell our children to do something, but they don't always do what we do. They do or do what we say. They do what we do. So if I tell her to choose herself over and over, but I never choose myself, there's a high chance that she's never going to choose herself 
because she never saw me do it. She's going to then repeat my pattern in choosing other people. Now I'm the emotional one because obviously <laughs> Kenya, like as you know, I never saw my mother choose herself. Yeah. You know? I never saw my mom choose herself. Oh my gosh. She always chose us. I don't want to say that my mom never chose me. I think she did cho- choose me in a lot of ways. Um, but I never saw her choose herself like in her own mental health and her own yeah. like caretaking, you know? So for a long time, like you're saying, I learned that that's how a person, a woman should operate. And it goes like in the male counterpart too. Like we, we want to set, we want to, you know, show our young girls what, what investing in ourselves looks like and what like womanhood looks like. But we also want to show young boys what womanhood looks like. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We want to expose all children to the healthiest version of womanhood that encompasses motherhood so that when they're choosing partners or when they're even choosing, you know, their own life decisions, Mm -hmm. um, that they're choosing from like the healthiest space and not a space of, um, the wound, you know, which, which is what a lot of people and, you know, our parents, our mothers were operating from was a space of the wound choosing survival, maybe not even like, not even themselves or us or, but choosing survival. Yeah. You know, and for a while, like now that I, I obviously like, I know a lot more, um, sober people or people that have, um, been, have struggled in their lifetime with addiction, you know, there's that in that survival element, I've, I've met people that say like, I cannot survive without using like my, I cannot live without it. And it's not like they like, they're self-indulgent and selfish. They like literally like their life is un, like they cannot cope with the reality of their life without self-medicating, without numbing themselves to the outside world. And, and I don't mean to like do the, I don't mean to overtalk sobriety. That's not my intention, but I bring it up because whether you're an addict to anything or not, like we do this in our lives in other ways. Like my my way might've been alcohol, but your way might be something else, right? Service of other people, like never facing you. So you're going to numb yourself by doing everything for everybody else, people pleasing, whatever that looks like, you know, for, for a given person. So what do you think holds us back from actually doing that then? Like for stepping into that space? Oh my God. Fear. Like, so what if I choose this opportunity, this experience in Costa Rica and something happens while I'm gone? Like that was my biggest fear. Like what if something happens while I'm gone? And so then this decision where I thought was like going to be, you know, a beautiful one for my whole family turns out to be the most vain decision I've ever made. Like if someone gets hurt, if somebody dies, something tragic happens and I'm so far away you know, and it turns out to be the biggest mistake of my life. Fear, fear. What will people think when they find out that I'm leaving my kid for 22 days to what do yoga in the jungle? Think? Other yeah, people will, that have like nothing think. to do with your family that, of your creation or yeah. the decisions that you guys are making together as a family. Yeah, right. Exactly. What will people think? Um, you know, what will I thought for a long time? a long time. I know this and it sounds crazy. I'm kind of giggling now, but like, what will Sella think? What will my daughter think? Like even now as like, she just turned four. So she was three at the time. Like as a three-year-old, will she think I abandon her? If I leave, will she forget me? Will she forget the way I love her? 
And like, as an adult, what will she think? What will my adult daughter think that I left her for a month when she was three? (laughs) Fear, like we're afraid of not being loved, not being supported, being judged, not having our desires or our knowings, because it was definitely a knowing that I should go, validated, externally validated, because internally it was being heavily validated, being externally validated, others understanding, um, accepting, supporting, validating um, our knowings. So why do you think it is taboo for mothers to do this? Do you think it's the same for fathers? No, of course not. I mean, and that was part of my reasoning. I was, you know, when it first came to me and I told you this, I was like, if I was a man and I was a doctor and I had to go to a medical conference for 21 days, like no one would bat their eyes. They would be like, that's so cool. What's the conference about? Where are you staying? Like these would be the questions, right? But when I thought about myself leaving a woman, a mother leaving for a yoga teacher training, I thought the questions would be like, why do you have to go to Costa Rica to learn yoga? Like who's going to take care of your kids? Like the, the, um, the narrative around it shifts. Well, I feel like it shifts and and maybe that's an ego thing, but I do think it's a societal thing too. I think it's more norm for, or more accepted and encouraged for a man to leave the family or the household for an extended period of time than the woman. And I think that's just rooted in uh, gender roles. Moving on, like how did you arrive in this space? Like what were some, what do you think are some of the key experiences in your life that led you to this? They're, they're just callings within me. And every time I've answered them, I've won. Like, <laughs> like it's like a, it's like, life moved forward in the way that it should have. I expanded in the way that I should have. Um, I never regret, have regretted any of like these seemingly kind of radical ideas. But I just have these like, these, these calls that come from within me that it's like, it's like something drawing almost like a string, like at my heart, like go this way. And I've always listened even if I've been reluctant. It's like almost like you, as you get more comfortable following your intuition, the more confident you become in doing it. Yes, yes, You're like, no, this happened last time and the last time and the last time and the last time. Like everything's going to be not good, but like great, amazing. And this is part of like, even what I teach in my course, like the call is like a space in the hero's journey. It's the first stage of expansion. Um, And we receive it. And as soon as we receive it, we kind of contract because the fear hits, right? And we think, I can't do that. And we think of all the reasons why we can't do that. And then we show up for it. And then we move through fear. And then we, when we get there, we move through the challenge. And then we reach the mountaintop or the boon and we get the reward. And then we return back to our normal world, our previous, our life, our regular life, knowing more information to share with the, what they call the ordinary world and the hero's journey. But um, it's like part of the, it's part of it. And it's, it's, it's like the map. I know the map. I, I mean, <laughs> I know the map in the, um, the compass. My true north is internal. And so I know to listen to it and I know where it's going to take me each time. 
Well, as long as I've known you, I feel like, I mean, and, and it's, you know, how people perceive you from an outside perspective is much different than how we perceive ourselves and what we might be actually going through. Right. But so in the many, many years that we've now known each other, like I've always seen you as having this like really clear into sense of intuition and that you've always really followed that. Like in, and I think about like myself, like I had zero intuition for a very long time. Like I didn't even know where to begin. Like if intuition was like occurring within me, I didn't even know how to identify that. So that's not to say that it didn't exist. Okay. Because <laughs> I was like going to challenge you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying more like if it was there, I couldn't, I couldn't like, I couldn't pay attention. Whatever was with, whatever, whatever was getting in the way of it, like I was incapable of like trusting it. Like I did not have a trustworthy relationship with my intuition. And so part of our friendship, I think, has been me like admiring your sense. You've been a role model, right? In my life, mamakin for a long time of the, like of the intuition that I've always desired to have. And like, it's been recently that I've really started to tap into it and trust myself more. And I realize like I'm reaping so many fruits from that labor of just trusting the intuition and how it's such an important part of my life today. But you were one of like my early mentors down that road. Ooh, okay, so let's take a little breaky break so I can tell you all about Lifetime and why I love it so much. All right, so first things first, Lifetime is an athletic resort and it is light years away from being basic. No, no, it is extraordinary. So most of you all know that I have two little kids and this means that time management is kind of crazy for me. So the number one sell for me in joining Lifetime is that they offer quality enrichment classes and care for little ones. And I'm talking about two and a half hours of care per day, all right? My kids love it. Right on the tail of first place, I love this Lifetime destination because it offers state-of-the-art equipment. I'm talking about professional sports level equipment. Trust me, I can be a little bit of an equipment snob and let me tell you, Lifetime has the best of the best. I've done my consultations on that, folks, and the vote is out. It's the best of the best. I love the central location, the cleanliness, super important, and the personable staff. I can't stand when a health club has a stuck-up staff, and I promise you that coming to Lifetime feels like coming home. And I love that for me, and I love that for you too. There are two outdoor pools, which I can use with the fam, a cafe with healthy, delicious options for adults and kiddos, stuff they'll actually eat, and a salon and spa on site. Yes, please. That's just the tip of the iceberg because the quality classes, training, recovery center, that's a whole other conversation. Listen, all the info is on their site. Nothing to hide. You can find all the information you need by logging on to lifetime.life. And while you're checking things out, book yourself a walkthrough of the Coral Gables destination so you can see it firsthand. Lifetime is the premier athletic club, not just in Miami, guys and gals, but nationwide. And I am proud to love my life with Lifetime. So let's kick it old school a little bit and talk about how you initially started your platform, Happy Truths. What was the inspiration behind the, what we call now, right? The brand. <laughs> Happy Truths began as a space for me to kind of share my truths, my awareness as being um, a biracial woman who identified as a black woman. So biologically I'm black and white, but I identify racially as a black woman because that's how I appear to the world. And that's how my 
experiences thus are shaped. And so I was kind of speaking from this space of what felt like in between two worlds, right? And so I was kind of sharing my experiences around that. So that's how it began. Um, And when I, it began as like a blog space with just words, right? Because I'm a writer. But Instagram came about and I started sharing pictures, obviously, of myself and like my experiences. And um, my hair kind of like caught the attention. It's so funny. Every time I share this story, my hair is wrapped up, but I have really big, (laughs) wild, crazy, curly hair, but you know, it's wrapped up because motherhood. Okay. And so I created this event, this social event um, around in the natural hair community called Curls and Cocktails, where women were coming together and we're having drinks and just socializing, just meeting one another. And it was so cool because they were like, oh, you do your hair like this. Oh, okay. And then that first layer is peeled back. In essence, it was really creating community. And these, I would see these women like meeting up outside of my event. They would tag me in photos where they're running marathons together or they're having like, you know, barbecues with families. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing and beautiful. And so after I had my first one, people were like, when are you having the next one? And I was like, whoa, I didn't realize this was going to be like more than one time thing. My platform grew organically by all of these women coming to find community, coming to find a space to meet with one another. Um, And on my platform, you know, I share a lot. A lot. (laughs) I'm pretty pretty, pretty transparent. Um, I'm just always kind of sharing and um, very kind of upfront about like what's going on in my life and women starting to come in from all different walks of life because um, I was also moving from, like I said, Atlanta to Nashville to be with my husband. And so there was like a group of women who were like, whoa, this is kind of radical. Like mm-hmm. she's she met her partner on Instagram and she's moving in with him six months later. And so like, is this an option? Like, and so people were just kind of drawn to that part of my story as well. Um, and then there's element of miscarriage. I've had two miscarriages that I've shared publicly about. Also, when my husband and I were trying to conceive, um, I've shared publicly about that process as well. And then when I became a mother, I shared the raw, raw, raw. Um, There was like, you know, there's the there's the rainbow and butterfly mom bloggers. And then there was kind of like me over here, like openly expressing my um, my. PTSD that I was experiencing in the fourth trimester. And I just think that over time, as as I evolved, the women that were following me, they were evolving too. I think our sense of identities are shaped by so many different elements, whether that's our families of origin, our peers, the adults and mentors in our lives, and really also like societal expectations and, you know, like what what is dictated by society. And that's in both good and in bad ways, obviously. But how have you shaped your identity? Um, what were some pivotal moments that like really reinforced your spirit? I feel like my life is is like in like legit chapters. Yeah. <laughs> like right. clear cut chapters. Mm. Um, each chapter is very unique and different, but feeds the next chapter, right? And so um you know, in my younger days, I could think of it as, you know, college was a chapter. And then I lived in Chicago. There was a chapter when I was dancing for the Bulls. And then that chapter moved me to Miami, which was a clear chapter. Um, And then the chapters of Chicago and Miami 
we're like really where I say like I grew up. I understand that growing up is like a childhood thing, but like I grew up into womanhood in the space of dancing between these two teams in Chicago and in Miami. And I always say like halfy truths is kind of like I'm half black, I'm half white, but I'm also half Chicago, half Miami. Chicago was kind of like a a learning a space where I learned structure. And then when I moved to Miami, I learned freedom. I was like shirts are dress <laughs> shirts are dresses. <laughs> underwear, shorts, bras are optional, like a space of true freedom, like to be free in my own skin. And like, I carry that freedom with me all the time. These chapters feed later chapters in my life, but like each, each moment, like when I left Chicago to move to Miami, that was a, mo- a moment for me. Like You can do anything. Like I packed my whole life into a U-Haul, like including my dog. And I moved to Miami without a place to live. Nikki, I didn't even have a house when I moved there. That type of like fearlessness, I sometimes like recall. I recall it. I need to call on it. Like, remember when you did this, when you were younger, you were so fearless. You can do this still. In each of these chapters, I'm a different version of myself, but motherhood births a completely different person. Like it's a birth for the baby, but also for the mother and in birth there's death. So whoever I was before, like I remember thinking in the early days, that bitch is gone. Like she's gone. She's dead to me. Totally. Like I remember feeling that way too. Yeah. And um, so I think that was motherhood is probably, you know, the biggest biggest transformation, the biggest chapter, the biggest um, pivotal moment for my spirit. But all of these little things, uh, seemingly little now, they were huge at the time though, I tell you, (laughs) Um, feed into this chapter that I'm in right now and the chapter that I'm moving into next. Okay. So you mentioned, you, you mentioned briefly, like your your call your experience during college and we touched a little bit on the concept of community and camaraderie so it really re- it reminds me about like knowing it reminds me of like the stories and the experiences you would share with me about your time well it's i guess your time with the deltas is always right <laughs> like you're yeah, always yeah, going to be always. a delta so um yeah. i always wanted a sisterhood like the one that you seem to have with your soror- sorors Yes. So um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, and this is like something that I want to reflect on, um, for a bit, you know, I often get asked what my favorite part was in being a Miami heat dancer where we met. Um, and I always come back to the sense of camaraderie. Um, it sounds like you really got that from your experience in your sorority. The experience of going through something with other women But, and you know, that theme has been like actually what has been recreated over and over and over. Like you said, though, you know, in college it was with Delta and that sisterhood has expanded, as you know, deep into my life. Um, But even, even on dance teams, like even before I was a Delta, like in high school, my dance team was a sisterhood and I assumed this, I assume similar roles in each sisterhood that's created. Um, and so, yeah, I, it was in high school, it was my 
my dance team, the POMS team. And in college, it was Delta. And then after college, it was recreated in dance teams on the with the lovables and with the heat. And I feel like it's the same, it's the same components. It's women going through um, experiences, similar experiences, relying on each other, learning from each other, growing from each other, pushing each other, that element of camaraderie, of sisterhood, of holding each other accountable and pushing one another from the space of like genuine love um, and not just competition, but like wanting to see us all win um, is, is, is recreated over and over in each chapter of my life. But yeah, I experienced it heavily with Delta. So why are you Mamakin? How did you get that nickname? Um, I got that nickname from dancing when I was dancing um, and the heat. I think I got it because I'm mothering. I'm, I serve up a little bit of, a lot of bit of tough love (laughs) because I can. As I know well. Yes, you know well. As I know. It's because I can see what's in you. And, um, and what's in others. And um, I want that full potential to bloom. And so I'm going to love the version of you that's showing up, but I'm also going to push you and hopefully guide you to be a, a more full expression of that. Setting, establishing and setting boundaries and kind of like being that role model so that other people, women, can start to model that and do that for themselves. I want, I always want to and still want the women that I come in contact with, the people that I'm in circles with to like feel empowered to be who they are unapologetically. I went to the school of Mamakin. I learned how to start speaking my truth because of you, you know, and that those were like the seeds that were planted in my, in my heart, um, in my early twenties. And I'm grateful for that. Now we're going to transition into like present day now. I remember I said at the beginning that this, I was going to do this episode a little bit different than usual. Like I, I usually like go in chronological order. Like this is kind of like going around and about, but I think it works for this situation. Like we obviously both have husbands who are very passionate about like what they're doing in the world and very committed and have like some, some like sense of, I hate the word celebrity, but you know, like people who know who they are. What is it like for the James Raymer, the Dolorite? To be married to Kenya Raymer. That's what I want to know. Right? Um, <laughs> you know, Wait, well, and just for context, for those who don't, who are unaware, Dolaway <laughs> is a very, very, very popular radio personality built um, based in Nashville. And I just happen to know him as Kenya's husband, James. Right? Yes. Uh, I think for James, oh my God, it probably has to be so overwhelming for him at times because I am like, you know, I pretty much always know what I want. I go after that shit loudly. And so it's kind of like get on board or get bulldozed. And I will say that like my bulldozing is to take everybody to the best place. And that's me. I'm always pushing for more. I want every single drop of what this life has to offer. Like there is no drop that is not mine. I want it all. I want to taste it all. I want to experience it all. And I want everyone that I love to get to taste it too. 
Kenya, thank you so much for sharing your space with me and for allowing me to expand with you. So I, I couldn't have asked for a better interview. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and honored to be here and I'm so proud of you. I know that this, um, we, we were talking about fear earlier and I can imagine how terrifying it is to share your voice um, in the position that you're in. I don't think that everybody uh, appreciates uh, the very fragile sometimes and vulnerable space that you occupy. And um, I just respect the shit out of you for roaring despite um, sometimes it might be easier to just be beautiful and be quiet and assume the role um, silently. And so I just am so proud of you and respect what you're doing. I'm so grateful to be part of it. Thank you. Thank you. The Know with Nikki Spo fam, you guys are the best and you deserve the best. There is nothing more important than your health. Thank you so much to our presenting sponsor, Lifetime. If you are waiting for a sign to kickstart your health journey, don't wait for a signier sign. This is the sign, baby kids. Do not wait until after the holidays. You deserve the life of your dreams right now. And Lifetime can be a part of that for you. Love your life. We'll hear you next time. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.